0: Amazing Grace Kona welcome you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Look at Romans verse 1 of chapter 2 and listen to what Paul says. Therefore, you are without excuse. You have no excuse. Every one of you who passes judgment. For in that you judge another, You condemn yourself. For you, he says, who judge, you practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God, it rightly falls upon those that practice such things. But do you suppose, this O man, that when you pass judgment on those who practice such things, and you do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Huh. Really, we're terrible at being judges. We're not qualified. I tell you, if you can receive it, leave the judgment department to the guy who is qualified to be the true judge. And only God can see what's going on in the the whole circumstance. We judge so much by outward appearance, not knowing what's going on in that person's life, not knowing the intimate details. And we have to be careful because in any way that we judge, What did Jesus say in Matthew 6 and into 7? Judge not lest ye be judged. Does anyone here want to be judged? I never get any hands for this. I ask just out of politeness. Anyone want to be judged? I can give you the secret how to be judged. Just judge others. I guarantee God will allow you to be judged if you judge others. But be careful how you judge. And be careful how you use your judgment against any other person. Jesus tells us a story of a man who was in great, great debt to his master. So much debt that there was no way that he could ever repay the 10,000 talents. It would be today, we would say, in the millions, what he owed his master. But the servant went to the master, Jesus says, and he asked, please have mercy on me, forgive me my debt. Not because I deserve it, but because you're a great master. And I need your mercy. Have mercy, he says. Mercy is to not receive the judgment you deserve. To have it withheld. And God, it says, is a merciful God. His mercy is new every morning. And great is his faithfulness. And so Jesus tells this parable. And he says, the master said, all right, I forgive your debt. This ginormous sum is just, wipe the slate clean. This guy had just been forgiven millions, we would say in today's vernacular of money. Millions of dollars of debt forgiven. But who can remember what Jesus said that slave did right after he left the presence of the master? It says he went out and he found his fellow slave and he said to him, you owe me 20 bucks, pay up. And the servant said, have mercy with me, I can't pay. Just like the same thing what he had just said to the master. But what did that slave do? He said, no, throw him in prison until he pays every last cent. Well, the Bible says that Jesus said when the master was to find out what that, what he calls a wicked slave did to the other servant, he said, take him and throw him into jail until every last penny is paid because he was forgiven much and yet he won't forgive his fellow servant a little how should we act towards others when we've been forgiven? Paul says, I'm the chiefest of the sinners. It's a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance. He came to save sinners. And Paul says, and I am the foremost of the sinners. He says, he forgave me. So how should we deal with others? What if they sinned against us? What if they owe us 20 bucks, 100 bucks? How much did God forgive you? Put it in perspective. How much would it cost to pay for all our sin? Don't answer, guys. Money couldn't even pay. Well, we know that. It took the blood of his son, Jesus, to pay for our sins. That's how pricey it was for our sin to be paid for. We were just sinners. But if he forgave us so much, why do we hold on to unforgiveness towards our fellow brother over some small little I mean, talking in perspective now, if this could sink into your heart today, the sum of what God has done for us in forgiving us this ginormous debt for all the sins we've committed summed up. And in this group, that could be a big tally. And he says, and why are you holding on to the 20 bucks that guy owes you? Or that one offense that that person said that remark and you took it cuttingly. They were mean. They said that to me. It Just cut me to the quick. I'm never going to forgive them. Let it go. It is souring you. You're turning into a crank. And the rest of us Christians got to live with you. We don't like it. Let God work in you a heart of forgiveness. Well, the Bible says we know how we should love because he first demonstrated his love to us. We can know how to forgive if we look at how much he forgave us. Some Christians struggle with this. They're happy to hear messages about, oh, pastor preached to us about how Christ has forgiven us. We love that topic. But when you turn it and say, and now we need to forgive those that have trespassed against us, you guys do know of the whole what is referred to in church circles as the Lord's Prayer, which I don't call the Lord's Prayer. I call it our prayer, our model of prayer. Because it was in Matthew 6 when the disciples went to Jesus, they said, teach us how we should pray, not teach us how you pray. You want to hear his prayer, read John 17. When he prays, Father, I pray you keep them from the evil one. I don't pray you take them from this world. I just pray you keep them from the evil one while they are here, We have a purpose to be here, a light to shine. Turn to Matthew 6. I want to show you something. It's really pertinent today's study. He says to them, this is right before. Don't judge or you will be judged. In the same manner, whatever manner you judge, in verse 2 of chapter 7 says, in that way that you judge, you will be judged. In the standard of measure, that you make for someone, it'll be measured to you. Whatever way you judge someone, let me just assure you, God has a lot of time on his hands. He can take years to set it up. You judge someone and you think, you don't even realize you judging him. How could that person possibly do this? 10 years later, he's turned your life into just the right circumstance, and you're now tempted to do the thing you judged in your youth, someone else doing. And he's going, So do you see how they could do it? Don't ever judge. Because Jesus taught his disciples as he was teaching them to pray. He said, guys, forgive. You know, after give us this day our daily bread. This is Matthew 6, verse 12. He said, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have, if you want to do King James, trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now that's the end of the model of prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Except read the next verse. This is the only part of what we call the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gives extra commentary on pertaining to the prayer he just taught them. He doesn't go over extra things, words about the give us this day our daily bread thing. We got that down. He doesn't talk extra about yours is the kingdom, the power, the your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He doesn't revisit that. He doesn't revisit the lead us not to temptation portion. He only revisits one line of this prayer. Look at verse 14. For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly father will forgive you. But, oh no, that little three-letter word that gets me in trouble. But if you do not forgive others, then your heavenly father will not forgive you. This is a loaded prayer, guys. If you pray, God, forgive me as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. And you're inwardly not forgiving those who trespassed against you. What did you just pray? God, don't forgive me because I'm not forgiving them. You might not realize it, but you just prayed a big boo-boo. Spiritually speaking, that's a bad prayer, okay? But the only reason it's bad is not really because of the words you said. It's because of the unforgiveness in your heart that makes it bad. See, because if you let it go like you're supposed to, look, we have a choice. Are we going to be like the wicked slave that was forgiven so much and won't forgive our brother a little thing? Are we going to be pleasing to the Father? When he forgives us everything, we go, you know, he forgave me so much, i got to just forgive them and let it go. Because, I mean, we're trying to adopt his attitude. His attitude was willing to forgive me every transgression I've committed, every debt I've owed. He says, I got you. Why won't we do that for our brother? I submit to you, people in the world, cover for one another better than christians do i know bikers in gangs that cover for one another transgressions of their fellow bikers in the group and they're doing transgressions i'm not saying they're not you can't get them to think on one another like christians will think because they just go hey man that's my brother we don't rat each other out no way man i ain't going down that road and yet how many christians do it to their fellow brothers and sisters Oh, brother, have you heard? We should pray for this person. Gossip, gossip, gossip. They shroud gossip in a little wrapping of, oh, this is a prayer request. Let it go. It is not prayer when you're just using it as a way to convey gossip about your fellow brother or sister, about something that you're not letting go yourself. Have you heard they did this wrong thing to me and we need to pray for them? No, we need to pray for you. You have been forgiven so much, but you won't forgive so little. Now, I can only say this because I might have done it once in a while. And then I read that verse there, what Jesus's words were. If I don't forgive others, then my father will not forgive me. I don't want to go there. I don't know about you, but this is strong words for our spirit, right? But how freeing is this if we do it? What about we really take it to heart? We go, you know, God forgave me everything. I'm going to forgive everybody that's hurt me. Do you know how freeing that is for us? I mean, there are some people that cannot move forward in this life because they'll go to psychologists, they'll go to therapists, and the therapist will try to deal with them, and the therapist, someone will throw their hands up and go, you know, we just can't help you. And it'll all come down to one thing. By then they sent to the pastors. And they'll come to us and they're like, man, the therapist has given up on me. I just, I'm a hopeless case, they say. And I'm like, what's so hopeless? Because I, I work for the God of hope. Well, I'm like emotionally in a prison. I'm like in fetters. I'm in, in bonds. I can't get free. And this person hurt me in my past. And, and I just can't seem to let it go and move on. I'm like, "Uh, you ever read the part about Jesus forgave? How much? Everything, right? And how much should you forgive? And this part they don't like. By the way, if you're stuck because of some pain of your past, because of some hurt that someone committed against you, and you can't seem to let it go, you need to hear today's message in your spirit. Your spirit is actually wired where this is a word to free you from the Lord. He wrote it. Not me. I don't like it. Get mad at him. Take it up with him because he said, if you won't forgive men, your father's not going to forgive you. But what about when you forgive? How good is it when we finally let it go? I can tell you, I sat through so many sermons. It's a revisited topic in this book. Forgiveness comes up all the time. And it seems like the Lord takes this very serious. This is not one of the lightweight subjects. It's not optional for your Christian experience. It's like foundational. You must understand. You are without excuse. Paul says, if you pass judgment, you will be judged. The way you judge, you'll get judged. My advice to you, if you don't like being judged, is give up judging. Give up judging your brother. Give up judging your spouse. Give up judging your sister in Christ. Let it go. You are not qualified to be their judge. Only God is. And when you act as the judge, you're going to get judged, and it's not going to fix the problem. You just exasperated it. You made it worse because you didn't forgive. Listen to this, verse 3. Do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and you do the same things yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Isn't it ironic that we are so good at judging others on the areas where we are actually flawed in? It's easy to spot our own sin. In fact, sometimes when guys come to me and they start, passing judgment on other brothers about certain character flaws or something. I'm thinking, do they not see what Jesus said? You know, before you try to take the speck out of your brother's eye, what did he say you should remove? The log, the beam. That's a speck of pine. I recognize that. The guy's got a pine tree hanging out of his eyeball. Yeah, that's pine for sure. I can tell you, man, I see all the rings. You got a little chip right there. Before you try to get a speck out of your brother's eye, it's so ironic. As they pass judgment on their brother, you think, dude, you're like, really? That's like seriously your problem. And we're so quick to judge the areas where we wrestle with. But we've forgotten what the scripture says. Who's the judge? Who's the one to take care of it? God. And verse 4 this is where I want to come to today. It says, do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and the tolerance and the patience that he has? Verse four, I suggest if you've never highlighted this verse, this becomes one that you you, you highlight, you, you even write it out and put on your fridge. Or some of you like to put it in your bathroom on the vanity. So I've seen some folks put those nice little stick-em notes. This is a verse to keep our attitude right. Listen to this. Do we think lightly of his kindness? Do we think lightly of his tolerance? Do we think lightly of his patience? Not knowing that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Some of you are praying fervently for your friends that they would come to repentance. You want them to be saved you know they're in sin, you're trying to figure out what can you do. Let me tell you, if you want to drive them away from the loving God, the merciful, tolerant God that I serve and that many of you here serve, just start judging them. They won't want to go to your church anymore. (laughs) Have you ever been to a church where you felt like everyone was judging you from the moment you walked in? What was your reaction? I'm out of here, right? Dig out, man. We do not feel welcome where we're being judged. But see, Paul is pointing out God is full of kindness and tolerance and patience. Why aren't we full of his kindness and his tolerance and his patience? Because we've forgotten the end of this verse. We don't know, not knowing, That is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. You have a friend you want to come to salvation? You know what you should share with them? Start sharing with them how kind God has been in your life. You really want to see them saved? Start telling them about the kindness that God has shown to you. His loving kindness is called in the Psalms. Or another word for that is his mercy. The one we sing, his mercy is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. His kindness, his loving kindness towards us. It bounds greater than the heavens, it says. If you really want your friend to be saved, start telling him about the kindness God has shown you. Like his kindness to not let you get, well, I'd be thinking if I start saying the times he's overlooked our stupidity and stupid moves in business and covered for us and made things work out even though it should have gone flop. Or maybe in the house when he overlooks those things for us and we almost burn the house down, but he just winks and goes, I got you. I mean, how many times has the Lord saved each of us? How about traffic for those of you who live in the big cities? How much do you think the hand of the Lord has had his mercy and kindness on us just to keep us on this planet breathing? I mean, some of you know, you've had so many close calls. You know there's a living God. When you want to tell your friend, I want you to have everlasting life. The thing that draws a person, the thing that draws is his loving kindness. You have a friend so bad, you're praying, oh, that they would know this great gift of salvation that I have come to learn of. Let me tell you from my experience, you can't just say, You're going to go to hell if you don't change. There, I already know that. What is it that draws us away from our sin? What is it that makes us want to change? It's a loving, kind God who says, I forgave you everything. Come to me. When you know that there's someone that loves you like that unconditionally, for me, that was my Nona, my grandmother. It didn't matter what I did wrong. Her love for me didn't seem to change. How many of you had someone in your life, a model of somebody who was really like that? There's not too many have, I found, in our society. It's a bad commentary of our society. But it gives me something to strive for. I want to be the one that can show that unconditional favor. Because I can tell you, when you're really hurting because of some stupid thing you did, Not that any of you do it, just me. When I was really hurting because of some stupidity and now I'm reaping the consequences, my Nona never judged me. I never felt condemnation from her. I felt support, love, acceptance. If there was anyone I could run to when I was in that down place because of my stupidity, it would be her. Because I knew she wasn't going to go, yeah, you deserve that. You're a jerk, dummy. How many of us have suffered because we did something wrong? I mean, realistically. And then we get the consequences. And then we're, oh, poor me. I have the consequences. And if you have a not so true friend, they'll say, you jerk. You already felt bad, but they kick you while you feel bad. You ever had that? Those are the kind you really want to go around, right? Yeah, Christians are just like that. You're already feeling bad. And they're like, you feel low, like dirt. And they're like, here, let me kick some more over the top. You are lower in dirt. Here, yeah, yeah. make sure you know that you are. And they just give an extra few kicks, dirt over the top, you know, because you're still stupid. Yeah, I am stupid. But I'm not a complete idiot. Because I found out there's someone who forgave me. And I'm willing to come to him because he shows me loving kindness every day. And that loving kindness leads me, it says, to repentance, to turning, to changing my ways. I didn't even know that there was a different way you could live. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know that there was a way of life where if someone wronged you, that you could actually let it go. Because I was raised where you keep a tally. And not do you just keep a tally. You keep a tally forever. I'm going to remember that. Let me put this down. On this day, this person did this to me. I will never forget it. And as soon as it comes up next time, I'll throw it in their face. And oh yeah, that's so bad. I'm going to be plotting revenge too. Let me work on some ideas for that. I had a whole book of woes and hurts and my revenge plans. How much energy do you put into that? I mean, honestly, those of you that Maybe you never, I hope you never struggle with this, but if you did, you know what I'm talking about. This can be an all-consuming, energy-sucking, life-sucking endeavor. And some Christians are stuck in that pit, and I know the pit. And I'm here to tell you, you need to listen to that parable of Jesus because he forgave you so much, you need to forgive them. And he told me, I have to take that book it was an invisible book, but don't worry, I could see all the words. And he said, you got to take that book to the paper shredder, burn it, shred it and burn it, get rid of it. You cannot keep a book like that. You cannot keep a record of wrongs somebody somebody's wronged you because it will eat you and you will wind up trying to pass judgment on them. And God says, the way you judge, you're going to get judged. And I want you guys to experience the freedom that comes when you let it go. Because I've had a taste of it, and it's good. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. Or at our podcast site, CelebrateTheLord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.